Welcome into the 5 o'clock hour of this Friday edition of News on the Hill. I'm News Director Brighton McConnell, substituting for Andrew Stuckey. Thanks so much for joining along on your holiday weekend. I see a lot of folks out there on the road, both on the traffic map and passing in front of our studios here at East Franklin Street. Hope everybody is uh, enjoying the start and getting to and from where they need to go safely. Appreciate you tuned again. Got some local news to catch you up on. And later on in the hour, it'll be time for Stroman on Sports as Dr. Deborah Stroman and I talk UNC football and bowl games, specifically uh, the kind of evolution and the purpose of bowl games these days and you know what has changed and how good they are. Looking forward to that conversation. Now, with it being a holiday weekend and us getting to the end of the year, some town and county offices closed today and will be closed for a good part of next week. With that, there's also going to be trash, recycling, and other local government service delays or closures. If you're staying in the area over the next week and you want to know when to expect those services to reopen or be available, be sure to head to our news section on chapelboro.com. We're keeping track of everything in Chapel Hill, Carborough, Hillsborough, and from the Orange County government that are going to be delayed because of the Christmas holidays and as we get into the new year as well. Now with that, all of our local body elected bodies are also on break, although we do had we did have two meet earlier this week on Monday. The Chapel Hill Town Council one was very procedural and almost more of a party as they swore in a new mayor and town council members and said farewell to uh, longtime Mayor Pam Hemminger and two of their former town council members at this point. If you want to find coverage of that, head to chapelboro.com. The, the Chatham County Commissioners also met on Monday. They, though, had a very full business agenda with a lot of different topics. Among those items, commissioners received a needs assessment report from the Chatham County Partnership for Children. One of the major areas of need uncovered in that report from the organization is for safe child care options, particularly for parents of color. When we spoke with County Commissioner Karen Howard earlier this week, she said that element really stood out to her. When you are at my age, you can forget how difficult it is to find appropriate placement for your children um, and to feel comfortable enough to leave them there. And so hearing some of the challenges that families of, of color, um, Hispanic families, black families felt in just feeling safe to leave their children really hit me. Uh, and it made me realize we, we need to be creating and, and offering opportunities for early childhood experiences that reflect the communities that they're in. Um, and and, and so it's not just enough to be investing in sort of these big childcare centers in the, in the urban and more populated areas where they're desperately needed, but also to be thinking about the rural um, parts of the county, the communities where people are not English speaking um, and might want bilingual providers in those spaces, and some places where the kids can see people that look like them and how important that is for the families. But just the overwhelming challenge of finding adequate, appropriate, safe child care in, in and around Chatham. And it's not unique to Chatham, but we are struggling with it now and we're going to be struggling with it more. It's important that we're doing this work, that we're understanding, we're grappling with the components of the problem and hopefully developing a plan to begin to address this ahead of the growth that we're facing. 
Once again, that is Chatham County Commissioner Karen Howard speaking there. Really good insight from that entire conversation where we also covered some of the other highlights from that Monday uh, commissioner meeting. If you want to listen back to the conversation, head to chapelboro.com. Look for the Chatham County Roundup on our radio page. And of course, you can head to the Chatham County Government website to find that full meeting and their materials if you want to check out that report and more. And our, a reminder that our Orange and Chatham County local elected bodies will resume their regular meetings probably the second week of January for most of those groups. Turning now to a story from Hillsboro, the Dorothy N. Johnson Community Center was dedicated by the town government back in 2021. If you remember, it turned a former police substation into a dedicated building for the Fairview neighborhood community members. The historically black community, which is northwest of downtown Hillsboro is now really working to find ways to turn that facility into a real asset. And among those group of people are local high school students who are taking part in an internship program meant to encourage civic engagement. The Fairview Youth in Action program had a truly grassroots beginning years ago as a group of teenagers living in the neighborhood decided to organize a litter pickup along the roadsides. Edith DeJesus Sanchez was in that group and says the teenagers quickly realized that low visibility of old road signs and no road lines painted on Rainy Avenue made it a dangerous task. So that was really fun to do, but then we realized that there was a lot of obstacles or it wasn't really safe to do it because just being with youth, um, we were like 15, 16, I believe. From there, the group continued to look for ways to make a difference in the Fairview community, which attracted other local stakeholders. The Fairview Community Watch, which is a longtime local organization, teamed up with the Orange County Habitat for Humanity and the Food Fitness Opportunity Research Collaborative, or FORC, at UNC in 2019. They established the program to formally help the young adults in the Fairview community. DeJesus Sanchez graduated from the early iterations of that program and now helps lead the internship as one of its coordinators. So yeah, thanks to all the things that the interns have been doing and the things that have been going on with uh, the community center, they're really eager to say, how can we do change? How can we do it even in front of our yards or anything like that? So it's becoming like really fun to be here. <laughs> the Fairview Youth in Action program has now blossomed into a 10-week paid internship open to high school age students living or connected to the Fairview community. Every cohort gets to dictate which of the ongoing challenges they would like to learn more about and try to address. Kevin Gill is one of the program coordinators. Each summer they really take an issue that they're passionate about and from there they roll with it and they meet with you know, policymakers, city planners, researchers to learn more about the issue. And at the end of the event, the interns get to share what they've learned and advocate for the changes they want to see at a culminating event called Walk Fair Every Day. Judith Alvarado is the other program coordinator through UNC Fork, but is also a Fairview resident, having lived there since 2014. Alvarado says the internship regularly results in not just the youth becoming more engaged in the neighborhood's well-being, but their parents begin to participate more, too. Here we're very passionate about, you know, knowing that the community knows really where the issues are, where the problems and obstacles are. And once we start working from there, I think it's natural to see them taking ownership, them taking the leadership. While the Dorothy Johnson Community Center has been under the control of the Fairview Community Watch for several years, the internship program has now turned its focus to making the facility a hub for community activity. 
DeJesus Sanchez says the building is an upgrade over when she and her friends would organize meetings in their cars during sweltering and freezing days. While she says she's particularly proud of her team's work to improve the road conditions during that time, she also points to the internship's latest additions to the community center as highlights of her advocacy. Three new pawpaw trees planted on Arbor Day to provide more shade. That was really exciting because that's like the kickoff for all the exterior improvements we're going to do. And so it's really exciting because the interns, we did a whole landscape proposal plan that we're going to, um, that they were really passionate about. De Jesus Sanchez and the program have visions for the inside of the building too. Past interns helped choose new, bright paint colors for the inside, and the coordinators mapped out what they want to see in nearly every room. Classrooms for studying or tutoring, an art room, and even an exercise area. Alvarado says she hopes the intern cohorts, as well as Fairview residents, continue to utilize and mobilize the neighborhood in ways that would make past leaders, like Dorothy Johnson, the center's namesake, proud. In her mind, that starts with continuing to broaden the community center's reach. And I think that's just something that we as community members would like to see for our younger generations. And so I, I would envision this as a center where there's more programming for elders, for young adults, for children to come together and enjoy being part of this great neighborhood. And the organizers of the Fairview Youth in Action program already have plans for more center improvements in March. They specifically teased that it's going to be built around Creek Week, so looking forward to that announcement. And they also, of course, are going to have an announcement around March as well about applications for the internships of summer 2024 being open. Look forward to hearing more details about that in the future from that group. If you want to see photos of the Dorothy N. Johnson Community Center in Hillsborough, be sure to check out our corresponding news article on chapelboro.com. And time now for a look at sports. The biggest sports story today is not one directly involving the Tar Heels, but instead it is about the ACC and one of its members, once again, who is causing some trouble, at least from the conference's perspective. Florida State is rattling Sabres once again after being left out of the college football playoff two weeks ago. The Seminoles Board of Trustees met yesterday, formally renewed their public discussions from this summer about how to potentially leave the ACC or at the very least make some wholesale changes to the conference's media rights deal. At this point, it looks like it's the former for Florida State. In their displeasure, the university officially filed a lawsuit to see if the ACC can legally enforce its grant of rights for game broadcasts. It's owned by ESPN until 2036. Florida State is maintaining that there actually is a stipulation uh, just a couple years from now in 2027 that could give them some wiggle room to potentially leave and still be able to own their own broadcast rights instead of it being owned by the ACC. Now, the conference has filed a countersuit in this, saying that Florida State is taking, quote, an unprecedented and overreaching approach and is trying to breach its contractual obligations. It is messy, and of course, it's right before the holiday season, the latest step in what is likely to be a very fraught period for the conference and its other members like UNC. I have a feeling this is not going to be going away for quite a while, but certainly something to keep an eye on over the next few days as we continue to, to dig into those two lawsuits against each other. 
Turning to some much, much more light-hearted news at Carolina-specific news, UNC football's Cayman Rucker likely caught a lot of Tar Heel fans with a bait-and-switch joke he posted Friday afternoon. The senior Jack Linebacker shared a video on X, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, where he talked mostly about entering his name into the 2024 NFL draft. It seemed like he was saying to the Tar Heel faithful, thanks so much for all of the support, I'm turning pro, but if you watch the entire video, Rucker comes back in front of the camera at the very end and says he lied. He says, quote, college football isn't ready for the butcher to leave yet, so I'm going to come back one more year. See y'all in Charlotte. The news comes after Rucker was already listed on the depth chart to play in the Tar Heels bowl game against West Virginia, but his return in 2024 will fortify a defense that did struggle quite a bit in the 2023 season. The Hartwell Georgia native was one of the bright spots, though, as he tallied a career-high eight and a half sacks and 14 tackles for loss. Those marks were third and fourth best in the ACC, respectively. Rucker and the rest of the Tar Heels will suit up for the Dukes Mayo Bowl next Wednesday in Charlotte with kickoff set for 5.30 p.m. We, of course, will start our coverage with Inside Carolina Live at 2.30 in the afternoon on Wednesday, and you'll be able to hear that game right here on 97.9 The Hill when it kicks off. Now, we are having streaming problem. We, we do have streaming restrictions around that bowl game. We do not have the rights because it is negotiated entirely differently. Not to get into the paperwork here, but you will not be able to stream the bowl game here on 97.9 The Hill on uh, on Chapelboro.com specifically. So you have to tune in to 97.9 FM 1360 AM to hear us have that bowl game. And turning to basketball news and somber news from earlier this week, as the Carolina community continues to mourn and process the loss of Eric Montross, more and more story, uh, stories are being shared in the memory of the Tar Heel great. One great one came from UNC women's basketball coach Courtney Banghart on Tuesday night, just one day after the news of Montross's passing and minutes before her Tar Heels took on Oklahoma. Banghart shared how her relationship with Montross began before she even officially got the job to coach at Carolina. He was the first person I met on campus when I got the, um, my interview. I was in the parking lot, and Bubba said, Hey, Eric, I want you to meet somebody. And, um, you know, of course, when I saw him, I was like, Oh, my gosh, that's Eric Montross. You know, he looks exactly the same. And I was a, a big Celtics fan, as you know. And from that minute forward, he just, he just made me feel like a friend, you know. And I remember he texted me after our first big ranked win, and he said, I love your team, Courtney, and I still have the text, you know. And it's just the thing about Eric is he made everybody feel like their friend, you know. And I remember how my players, myself, we had a moment when I told them, and we all sort of teared up. And that guy had that influence on us, it means something, because it's a competitive world that we're in, and he reminds you that don't let it change who you are, you know. And so, you know, he just reminds us all to be a little bit a little bit more seeing the big picture that is the kindness and the impact that you Once again, that is UNC head coach Courtney Banghart speaking there. Her women's basketball team went on to beat Oklahoma in that game in the Jumpman Invitational. And then the men's team got a big win over Oklahoma the very next evening. We're going to hear Art Chansky talk about that in his sports notebook right after this from Chapel Hill Tire, who brings us sports this hour.